who, who determined who determined the Greek Cypriot continental shelf or EEZ? These are self-imposed, self-declared uh, EEZ boundaries by Greek Cypriots, and without consultation with Turkey, without consultation of even northern uh, Cyprus of uh, Turkish Cypriots. And therefore, I would rather say Turkey is acting to protect his rights as well as to protect Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus. And therefore, it is, uh, I think it's understandable because what Greek Cypriots and what Greek side are trying to usurp from Turkish maritime jurisdiction area is about 100,000 square kilometers, which is unacceptable. Let me give you an example. The Castello Rosi Island, which is a very small one, it's only two kilometers or 2,000 meters away from Turkish coastline in Kash, have a circumference of only nine kilometers. But Anatolian coastline is 1,700 kilometers. So if you look at the map, if you look at the map imposed by the European Union, imposed by the Greek side or imposed by the Greek Cypriots, these small islands are having a jurisdiction area four times bigger than what this small island deserves, which is totally unacceptable for Turkey. And it's illegal, it's unfair, and if you go through the ICJ, International Court of Justice uh, decisions or jurisprudences, for instance, it's, it's almost non-existing such an example. Likewise, the Cypriots, when they declared their easy in 2004, 2nd of April, they declared a huge area, not considering the long coastline of Anatolia and the, and the position of Cyprus Island, and they, they just crossed the median line, which is, again, it's, it's, you cannot find in the textbooks of the international law of the sea. And therefore, Turkey is uh, rightfully protecting his blue motherland or blue homeland, whatever we call it. And therefore, Turkey has uh, had a memorandum of understanding with the Cyprus, Turkish Cypriots in 21st December, September 2011, and they declared their delimitation. And, and lastly, in 27th November of 2019, Libya and Turkey have struck a deal for delimitation for only 18 nautical mile length. But Turkey and Libya have corresponding shores and they have a common uh, boundary of the EEZ. And therefore, Turkey right now has two international agreements for declaring its EEZ. But already they did not declare, Turkish government did not declare yet the EEZ, but they declared the continental shelf, which is quite enough for making the drills. And therefore, I think what we need is the uh, other coastal states, neighboring Turkey, should understand the Turkey's maritime rights and geopolitical needs. Otherwise, Turkey is going to lose almost one-fourth of its new maritime homeland. It's unacceptable. And therefore, Turkey has adopted, I think, uh, three different strategies. First, to protect to safeguard the maritime jurisdiction area through gunboat diplomacy, which is quite normal. Every nation does that. 
Second, seismic diplomacy, Turkey deployed seismic research vessels into the areas the Turkish Cypriot's rights are challenged or Turkish continental shelf rights or grants to Turkey to do so. And the third, Turkey has conducted drilling operations in, inside the Turkish continental shelf and Turkish Republic uh, of Northern Cyprus, as well as, uh, as well in their territorial waters. Okay? And therefore, I don't see any, let's say, uh, illegal or uh, undefinable act from the Turkish side. In the meantime, the 27th November agreement with the Libyan GNA, Government of National Accord, regarding their request from Turkey uh, to help, to assist in their struggle, to contain to their uh, integrity and to contain the drive of the Haftar, General Haftar forces against Tripoli. And Turkey acted very soberly, and they said, Turkish government said that they don't involve in the combat missions. They, they, only, they only assist GNA government in terms of military training, cooperation and coordination in the intelligence gathering and uh, against the sea banditry and maritime domain awareness issues such as these auxiliary supportive measures, not the combat measures, in order to sustain Tripoli's uh, govern, Tripoli government's uh, political integrity. Don't forget, GNA is the only body right now recognized by United Nations. And don't forget, in, on the other hand, that uh, right now, there are more than seven different alliances or cooperation platforms against Turkey. Can you imagine Greek Cypriots are conducting, in the last 20 months, they conducted more than 15 military exercises against Turkey. Egypt also conducted last week a large military exercise again against Turkey. So what would you expect Turkey to do in order to break this uh, isolation and also to make Turkey uh, in a position with totally isolated? And don't forget the signing ceremony of the ISMED a couple days ago. Uh, which is unfeasible project for bringing the Israeli gas from uh, Eastern Mediterranean into the Greece homeland. So, therefore, I assume that what the Turkish government is doing right now uh, cannot be considered as uh, dangerous or illegal. I think these are the things that I want to say. All right? Thank you very much for that perspective. And I'm sorry that I have to leave for it. Another TV program, I have to leave. I am sorry not to attend the question and answer. And thank you for your invitation again. Thank you very much indeed. Bye-bye. Thank you. Now we will be moving to Wolfine Bikidish. Mr. Bikidish, Turkey contends it is helping an internationally recognized ally in need and claims that the goal of the Turkish Armed Forces is not to fight but to ensure a ceasefire in Libya, which was discussed today with uh, Putin. What is the EU perspective on actions taken by Turkey? Well, uh, I think I should say first some words about, because there are two questions we have been discussing now, up till now. 
First, I call this gas, interest in gas in the eastern Mediterranean area. And the second one is the intervention in Libya. The first one, well, uh, I've been hearing what the Turkish colleague has been explaining uh, on the blue homeland of Turkey. But please, this is deriving from a position where did uh, that begin in the 1970s with the occupation of the north of Cyprus by the Turkish army. And the northern Cypriot state is not internationally recognized. And this is, let's say, the objective situation. There have been peace talks under the auspices of the United Nations uh, that have not been leading to success. I regret deeply. I think this should remain the first goal of any political, uh, of any attempt. And therefore, Turkey should not try to put fait accompli in the region, but trying to reach an agreement with Cyprus on the right repetition of the continental shelf in the eastern Mediterranean area. This is my first reflection. Because there have been some attempts in this field with no answer, from, especially from Ankara. I understand totally the Turkish interests, vital interests in this area. There are some other countries with vital interests too. This is true for Cyprus, for the Republic of Cyprus. This is true for Syria, Lebanon, for Israel, and for some others and for Greece especially, and in the south for Egypt and for Libya. It's normal because there are huge gas, gas fields in that area. Some are, have been discovered, some, some are exploited, some not yet. But we think the objective of any government should be to reach an agreement with the different parties in the area. It's right, there is no prejudice, in the international jurisdiction on this, but I think it's never too late to act, let's say, in a politically responsible way in this field. The second one is the intervention of Turkey in Libya. Uh, I've listened to the content of this agreement between the Turkish government and uh, the Libyan official government, supported by the EU and others. Uh, on the other hand, we have been witnessing yesterday the takeover of Sicht in the middle of, uh, of uh, the Libyan coast uh, by the troops of General, or now how is it now even more than the General, Tafsar. Uh, and uh, therefore, the question is, whether Turkey is really able to help the official government under Prime Minister Sarg uh, to, to reach, let's say, a, a real status and to avoid really, and that is the fear of many people, uh, that Libya could become a second Syria. This is the situation. I can't say anything against 
the Turkish idea to stabilize the government. Okay, fine, fine for me. But you see that different forces involved in the, in the region are supporting the different forces. Some are supporting the official UN-backed government. Others are supporting Haftar. And therefore, uh, <coughs> it's a track situation. I know that uh, President Erdogan will meet this weekend Mrs. Merkel to talk about this conflict. I'm aware of German uh, attempts to reach a conference on the Libyan question as soon as possible, involving the different conflict parties. Success question mark. But I think uh, the utmost objective of any intervention should be stabilizing the situation, coming down to a ceasefire and coming down to a peaceful uh, solution of the problem. Thank you I very hear much for your what some people I hear what, what some people speak in a negative way about the Turkish policy. Uh, I do not take the same words, no. Uh, I see the Turkish interests, yes. But I think the objective has to be to get the involved conflict parties at the table and try to reach a ceasefire and then a peaceful situation. Thank you very much. And if I could ask a follow-up question. Uh, the maritime boundaries deal signed by Tripoli and Ankara gives Turkey rights to large areas of the Mediterranean where gas reserves have recently been discovered. Uh, Greece's prime minister has stated that Greece considers these agreements to be in violation of international law. Meanwhile, Ankara believes uh, this maritime agreement with the UN-recognized Tripoli administration provides it with legal standing to challenge the region's maritime boundaries from uh, Greece's partnership uh, uh, with Egypt and Cyprus. Personally, personally, I have more doubts about uh, the legality of the Turkish position than on the Greek one. I regret. But there should be uh, the attempt uh, perhaps not by arbitration, but by real negotiation between Greece and Turkey and the other involved parties in the area about a real settlement of this question. I think there is a real interest of the European Union, of NATO, and of all involved parties. Thank what you. What Turkey is trying to reach is a fait accompli. Okay, another question. What is the chance that a ceasefire will actually hold? Real question mark. Real question mark because up till now, without the involvement of own real military forces, I don't see, when I look at the military situation in the area, uh, the chances, the real chances of a, a success on the Turkish side. I've doubts. Mm. I've doubts whether Turkey is, with what they do now, uh, able to roll, ba roll back uh, Marshal or General Khalifa Haftar uh, forces in uh, central in northern Libya. I've doubts about this, and I, because the Libyan government of national accord is is too too weak.
Thank you, Mr. Vitulish. Also, what do you believe the role of Russia is in stabilizing the situation? Well, Russia is delivering up to now what I call in the area a defensive position. Russia wants to maintain its bases in Syria. It's for the Russian deployment in independence, in independence from Turkey, from the way through the Bosporus. It's for Russia of vital importance. Therefore, we maintain uh, the bases in northern Syria. Uh, they are involved in the conflict in Syria, and the Russians want to be one of the forces uh, having a word to say in the whole Middle East. And the situation in the whole Middle East has come to this uh, because of what I call the withdrawal of the Americans, and now the infight between Iran, Turkey, uh, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt about the predominance in the Middle East. And well, we should add a fifth force, which is Israel, in this field. And uh, there's the absence of Europe, there is the growing absence of the Americans, and the Russians are, let's say, filling in this position to be one of these main forces uh, to uh, try to settle uh, the conflict in their way. Do not underestimate the Russians in this field. For me, the position is not an offensive one, it's a defensive one. They're defending their classical interests in the area, yes, uh, but uh, in my conviction, if Americans and Russians had acted together in the beginning of the crisis in Syria years ago, we could have avoided the conflict and we could even have avoided, let's say, the serious problems in Mount Turkey in this field. Thank you. Let's move, or, move over to the European Union. Does the EU fear closer ties between Russia and Turkey? I do not understand the question. Please, could you repeat it? Does the EU fear closer ties between Russia and Turkey? You know, the relations between the EU and Russia are not at its best, actually. This is true. On the other hand, Mrs. Merkel, we need over the weekend uh, Vladimir Putin in order to talk about the area. And I think it's normal. It's one of these main contacts. The same contact lines have been opened by the French, and the EU is especially acting through the Germans and the French in this field. Uh, and I think at the same time, I think the Germans have an open line open uh, house with regard to Turkey. This is well known too, better than the French. And therefore, I think the involved parties in this area uh, should be from the European Union, the Germans and the French. On the other side, it's Russia, it's normal. Turkey, it's normal. Don't forget, please, Greece with its interests and don't forget the other forces. And I think the Europeans have, let's say, a keen interest, a vital interest in having or in reaching again a more peaceful development in its immediate neighborhood.
And please Thank you very uh, much. do not forget that even the Turkish attempts in the last years to play a more offensive, a more, let's say, role of predominance in the Middle East have been failing. Please. I think I understand Turkey's interest. Yes, absolutely. It's normal that Turkey wants to play a certain role. Turkey has its problems with regard to its own territory, territorial integrity because of a Kurdish problem. It's highly sensitive, and I think we should uh, take care of this problem for our Turkish friends. Uh, but at the same time, Turkey should do all to avoid fait accompli and to help for peaceful uh, solutions of the different conflict schemes. Thank you very much. We're going to move it over to Q&A until we have uh, Mr. Bryce to join us. Hello. Are we still in line? Hello. Are we still in line? <clears throat> Hello. 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 Oh, no. Hi, Ms. Uh, Ambassador Bryza will be joining us in five seconds. Press star six to ask a question. Thank you for holding. Uh, we are just working through some technical difficulties trying to get uh, Ambassador Bryce on the call.
we have a question. Go ahead. What's your question, please? I know that we are waiting for Ambassador Bryza to get on the phone. So I just wanted to uh, first just ask uh, Hello, I'm here. Got you. Oh, okay. Hi. All right. We will go ahead and, and start with you, and then I guess we will jump back into questions. So again, if you have questions for our speakers after this, please press star 6. Um, in the meantime, we will jump in. We've just heard Ambassador Bryza, we've just heard Mr. Bitterlich kind of provide an EU perspective yeah. on what is happening between Turkey and Libya. And I'm going to go ahead and turn it back to Melissa, our host, to ask you a few questions about the American perspective. Thank you for joining us, Ambassador Bryza. Mr. Bryza, Erdogan and Putin have called for a ceasefire on January 12th. What does this mean for the developing situation? Uh, as an American in Turkey, what are you seeing on the ground level, and how does America view Turkey-Russia cooperation? Yeah, thank you very much for having me on the call. Can you hear me okay? Am I coming through? Yes. Yes. Wonderful. Okay. And you mean a, a, a ceasefire between Iran and, and uh, the United States, you mean, yeah? Yeah? In Libya, yes. Yeah, in Libya, yeah. Sorry, in Libya. So I think that in general, um, the United States doesn't have a clear policy right now on Libya. You know, for quite some time, uh, dating back to the Obama administration and, and the early Trump administration, um, the U.S. side was supporting the uh, government of national accord, the UN-recognized government, the one that, that Turkey supports. Um, but that wasn't such a, a strong policy of support. It was uh, a policy of looking for a ceasefire, so in accordance with, with what uh, Turkey and Russia called for today. Um, but it was also not one of, of wanting to tip the scales too much. But then last May, uh, President Trump had a phone call with General Haftar, and apparently uh, it was a good one from General Haftar's perspective, because then President Trump decided, well, maybe the U.S. is now going to support, support uh, General Haftar and his, and his group. So, but, but I don't think the U.S. Um, bureaucracies at the State Department in particular, but also at the Pentagon, um, have embraced that policy. So we're in a strange situation where it's, it's, it's kind of a, uh, a policy, not vacuum, but drift. So against that background, because all the way through the bureaucracies in the U.S. have wanted there to be a ceasefire, I think this is, will probably be seen as a positive. Um, that said, Turkey uh, was finding itself in a difficult situation when it was working with Russia uh, in Syria, uh, but was on opposite sides in Libya. Um, I think that the uh, anti-Russia hawks in Washington will be suspicious of this ceasefire, uh, but then the people who really worry about Libya uh, may see this as, as something positive. Uh, and the bottom line is, I'll stop after this, uh, this is a really fascinating moment in the evolution of Turkish foreign policy. Uh, until the last few months, Turkish foreign policy had been on uh, Ataturk's adage that uh, Turkey should worry about peace at home and peace in the world, which is sort of a, an isolationist policy. Now, in the last few months, in the Mediterranean, Turkey has begun to assert its rights uh, in pursuit of its interests, uh, and in that sense, is starting to have a more quote-unquote normal foreign policy. I'll stop there. Thank you very much. We actually have a question via email for you. Uh, there's concern in the U.S. for Turkey and Russia becoming closer. Uh, this is further reassured in Libya. 
should the Turkey-Russia relationship be of concern? I think what should be of concern is that Russia is trying to peel Turkey away from the United States and the rest of NATO. Uh, that's a concern. Uh, I don't think it should be a concern that Turkey is trying to strengthen its position in what President Erdogan is conducting as sort of a, well, a Turkey first policy. We've got America first in the U.S., we've got Turkey first in Turkey. With Turkish foreign policy more transactional, as is the U.S.'s foreign policy under President Trump. They're, they're, they're both, both leaders view foreign policy in a similar way. And so I don't think President Trump is worried about that happening with Turkey. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure we have to worry that Turkey's relations with Russia are necessarily strong on economic issues, because they have been for decades. I mean, there's been the Blue Stream pipeline under the Black Sea together with Russia for 18 years. Uh, there have been massive numbers of Russian tourists coming to Turkey for a long time, and this year was a record year. There's a lot of Turkish agricultural exports uh, and other exports to Russia, a lot of Turkish construction work done, uh, or a lot of construction work done in Russia by Turkish firms. There's nothing new in that. Um, what, what is new is, is Russia really working hard to pull Turkey away from NATO, especially in Syria, uh, when it comes to the so-called Astana process that aims to broker a ceasefire, which is consisting of Russia, Iran, and Turkey. Um, but just when you start to feel uncomfortable maybe about that or about the Turkstream natural gas pipeline and a new big pipeline from Russia to Turkey, um, then President Erdogan does something like he did today at the inauguration of that new Russia to Turkey natural gas pipeline. President Erdogan at one point said, okay, we, we, we welcome this new pipeline with Russia, but I also want to uh, recognize my dear friend, my brother, the president of Azerbaijan, Ilham Aliyev, with whom we've developed yet another pipeline, a big pipeline to bring non, he didn't say non-Russian gas, but to bring gas from Azerbaijan uh, rather than from Russia, uh, which then gives Turkey the ability to balance uh, to have some leverage over Russia to negotiate lower gas prices and to maintain its energy independence from Russia. So I think, to sum it all up, President Erdogan is <coughs> playing uh, a Turkey first policy, still anchored in NATO. I'm certain, even from my own conversations with him, that President Erdogan has no vision for Turkey leaving NATO, doesn't want to be left alone in the Middle East with Russia and Iran, would really like to restore U.S.-Turkey relations, uh, but is is finally is facing a threat of sanctions for Turkey's purchase of the S-400 uh, missile system, uh, anti-aircraft system. Uh, and that, that's a problem that has not gone away yet. And President Trump would like not to have to impose sanctions, but under the law, he doesn't have the ability to waive those sanctions. So I think within the next few months, the U.S. will sanction Turkey uh, on the S-400 purchase. Done. Thank you so much for that perspective, Ambassador Bryza. For our listeners, press star six in order to ask a question. In the meantime, I will ask Ambassador Bryza another question. With Turkey being in Libya, what does this mean for relations with Greece, Cyprus, and the EU as a whole? Hmm, that's an excellent question. <coughs> Turkey's, the, the move that has created immediate tension between Turkey on the one hand and Greece, Cyprus, and the EU on the other hand uh, was not or is not so much the potential military intervention of Turkey in Libya, but it was the uh, demarcation 
of the exclusive economic zones of Libya and Turkey, their mutual agreement on that. Because that agreement um, claims that uh, Greece will have much less access to potential oil and gas fields east of the island of Crete in the Mediterranean, uh, and that Turkey will instead have access uh, to, to those fields. Um, and, and Turkey's claim, in Turkey's mind, is consistent with international law because Turkey is saying, um, when we draw boundaries in seas, um, the convention, the norm is that the mainland carries much more weight in determining how far out the, the boundary goes or the exclusive economic zone goes, much more weight than do islands. Um, and so Turkey says, uh, instead of having a 200-mile exclusive economic zone beyond the island of Crete, Greece near Crete should only have a 12-mile territorial sea. Right? So in international law, uh, coastlines or, or, or any country has a 12-mile zone of ex- it, its territory out into the sea from the mainland. Um, but they can claim a 200-mile zone of exclusive economic zone where they have the exclusive rights to develop the resources. Um, Turkey is saying because Crete is an island, Crete, Crete, or Greece's territorial sea near Crete only extends 12 miles. Turkey's exclusive economic zone then takes over 12 miles out from Crete because Turkey's coastline is what's determining the size of the EEZ. So this is something that Greece and Cyprus and the EU are saying is not correct. It's not consistent with international law, um, and they reject it. Um, There's no clear reading in terms of international legal principles on who's right. Is is an island as important in drawing an exclusive economic zone or territory as is a coastline? There's a real debate over it depending upon the importance of the island. So... Um, Turkey's facing a lot of tension on this issue because if that exclusive economic zone is drawn as Turkey wishes, then uh, it's possible that Turkey can um, further obstruct or even block a natural gas pipeline from Israel to Cyprus or Greek part of Cyprus to Crete. Turkey would much prefer that pipeline to run to Turkey. Um, Finally, by setting this precedent of asserting its rights, in the territorial waters between Libya and Turkey. Turkey is also building a case to say we also have our own special claims around the island of Cyprus. Again, we don't, we, we don't recognize this 200-mile uh, exclusive economic zone for the Greek Cypriots. We believe our exclusive economic zone covers the oil and gas fields we're drilling around the island of Cyprus, and we're going to keep doing it. Whereas the EU and Cyprus and Greece say, no, you're behaving illegally. Again, there's no way to resolve this issue in a purely legal way. It'll have to be negotiated politically, and that is creating a lot of tension. I'm done. Thank you very much. Uh, That concludes our teleconference for today. Thank you, everyone, especially our speakers. We will have the recording online, and we'll host a teleconference on Iran this Friday. We hope you will join us. Thank you so much. Thank you.